1: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michaels Flooring, the Flooring Experts, MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com.
3: It's that time of night. You can't stay up So come and join the people and I'll feeling it alright here on.
2: America. Overnight America. All right. There we are, Overnight America. One more hour. And I wanted to mention, if you haven't already heard, but you probably know by now, the close to $2 trillion coronavirus relief bill was signed and, you know, down the party line, but still signed. I think the Democrats love all the wasteful spending in this, and I don't think they have found a wasteful spending bill they've said no to in a long time. And now it goes to Joe Biden who will sign it, which means a few things. It means that uh, every individual would be eligible for $1,400, you know, given the certain certain, uh, circumstances, the certain circumstances, couples married making less than 150 grand, individuals making under 75 grand would be eligible for that. So if you're filing joint, uh, you could get up to I think $160,000 filing joint, and you'd still be able to get those direct payments, uh, $1,400 direct payments. And same thing with the dependents. It's not a lower amount like we've seen in the past, even if you have the young one. And these checks could start getting out towards the end of the month. I mean, we're talking about a matter of uh, a few weeks based on the direct deposit, and then a little bit later for those that may be getting it through the mail or some that have to apply could be a little bit later. The bill also looks at upping the child tax credit from $2,000 per child to $3,000. Per child Now, if you've already filed your taxes for 2020, like I have, it made me wonder, it made me wonder if that is going to reflect, I'm going to, because you know, I don't know how they're going to do it. Are they going to do it retrospective or are they uh, retrospect to this year or last year? Or are they doing it as an advancement to next year? So if I file my taxes next year, there won't be a child tax credit, it'll be given to me this year. And then how does that how's that uh, mess or mesh up with different tax codes? Cause I think the child tax credit is a credit. It's different than the stimulus money, which just comes to you and it doesn't have to, you don't have to worry about filing in on your taxes and things, but this could impact uh, the, based on what your filings would be. So I really don't know how that one works either. It would mean that um, it would give a child tax credit, of up to, let's see, 3000 for kids over the age of five and then $3,600 for kids under the age of five. But I don't know if they offset that with the amount of money you'd be getting next year anyway. So let's say if it's 2000 for a kid, but you could get 3000 So is that $1,000 given to you over a period of time? They made it sound like for a couple of months in a row, they'd give you $250 and and make it almost look like a universal basic income, which is something that they've already advocated for. Nancy Pelosi, of course, is on board for this, as she has been.
4: This is the most consequential legislation that many of us will ever be a party to.
2: Um, as if, did you already forget about the trillions that you signed in last year as, as if that was nothing? We continue to add more and more and more money to the debts. I've heard people across the country say this bill
4: today is costly. Corrupt and liberal. It's a long list of left-wing priorities that predate the pandemic and do not meet the needs of the American families.
2: And I was curious what Bigfoot thought of all of this. (laughs) Yeah, as one would expect, that's exactly how Bigfoot feels about this. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, I know. Susan Collins, uh, after Chuck Schumer wasn't too happy with her.
3: I thought that Leader Schumer's comments were bizarre. He voted for the same package that I did. President Obama urged me to vote for the
2: stimulus bill that passed that year, and indeed called me afterwards to thank me for my vote. I think it reflects, regrettably, his inability to accept the fact that despite pouring a hundred million dollars into defeating me, the people of Maine said no. Wow, she's already in campaign mode, huh? Ann Wagner, of course, a representative here uh, in the St. Louis area. It is shameful
3: that Democrats have disregarded their obligation to provide real COVID relief to the American people.
2: So is this about COVID relief? So when they do the studies, 90% of the money has nothing to do with the actual COVID relief. So if you look at the distribution and the purchasing of it, it's like 1% to 2% of it. Here's some of the things, of course, that the uh, Democrats voted for and we're very excited to put in. $570 million to give paid leave for federal employees, just for federal employees, by the way. Big benefit for them. Uh, $126 billion for schools. Even if they stay closed, they want to continue to give the money to schools. Uh, you think that a, a closed school wouldn't need it. But uh, $4 billion, which would be uh, paying off a percentage of socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers, 200 billion for unemployment benefits that are enhanced, 270 million for the endowment for the arts, 200 million for museums and library services, 91 million for outreach for student loan borrow- borrowers. give me a break. All of these things, totally unnecessary. Uh, they should have been voted by their own merit. They could have made themselves available by themselves. And you could have debated and brought those up individually, but instead they decided to jam it in here, add more debt. But hey, they thought, you lowly people, oh, you get your $1,400, you got nothing to complain about. Get out of here. Let us pay our millions and billions to all these other totally uh, unrelated things, but get your $1,400 and get out of here. Your money's on the dresser. We're through with you. All right, coming up after the break, Brad Young from Harris, Del Fisher & Young. He's a partner of that law firm. We'll talk about the... News on the Rams lawsuit. And a little bit later, too, we're going to talk to the chair of the East West Gateway Council of Governments, Kurt Prenzler. He is someone that, uh, as a chair, the loop trolley, they went to them and said, Hey, give us some money. We want to bring this back up. Uh, I'll get Kurt's comments on that coming up, too, on Overnight America KMOX.
1: St. Louis's traffic station, KMOX.
2: Hey, welcome back to Overnight America. All right. Quite a night. Quite a night. In the news today, the Rams lawsuit apparently will not go to trial until at least next year. To join us and talk about that is a partner at Harris, Dow, Fisher, and Young, Brad Young. How are you?
5: I'm doing great, Ryan. And I was listening to your COVID-19 uh, relief bill analysis, and I've got a question.
2: You know, mm-hmm. can I claim my dog and my daughter's pet snake as dependents? They'll never know. In fact, uh, there's so much. Fraud in it already. I think you're the least of their worries. Now, maybe if you started a fake company and then you requested about five million for that company, they might come for you. Well, I, I, I should do that. But you know, speaking of fraud, you did mention the Rams. <laughs> i like how you said (laughs) i like how you said oh i should do that speaking of fraud well i wanted to uh, give an update to the ram situation i know it's one that you follow closely and maybe we could talk about everything that's led up to this moment because they're in the news again apparently the lawsuit that should have started this year i guess in the background but uh, there should have been at least an advancement to it this year it looks like maybe pushed off a couple of months. But uh, let's kind of go back and recap exactly what is involved in this lawsuit with St. Louis and the Rams organization.
5: Sure. The the St. Louis Convention Center, in addition to St. Louis City and St. Louis County, uh, has filed a 50, actually it's a 52-page lawsuit against the Rams, against Stan Kroenke, both individually and corporately, and also against every single owner in the NFL. And they filed that lawsuit shortly after the Rams announced uh, that they were moving to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And the, the basis for the lawsuit is essentially this. Fraud, misrepresentation, uh, a breach of contract, those are all against the Rams and Stan Kroenke. But as, as far as the, all of the other owners, the, the St. Louis Convention Center and the St. Louis uh, Convention Bureau is also suing for tortious interference with a business expectancy, which is one of my favorite causes of action, because (laughs) essentially what that says is is that we we had a contractual expectancy to receive revenue over a very long period of time, and because you, the NFL, and all of the owners individually interfered with that relationship, we've suffered damages. And St. Louis has alleged a billion, that's with a B, A billion dollars in damages. Now, of course, in a lawsuit, uh, it's typical that you add in every single damage that you possibly can, but they're also alleging punitive damages. And so this lawsuit isn't going anywhere until it goes to trial.
2: Do lawyers get together for lunch and sit down and they say, okay, everybody, name your top five causes of action? Order from uh, most favorite (laughs) to least favorite. Is that? common with lawyers to to name their most favorite of anything
5: absolutely and in fact if when i get together with at dinner with my attorney friends uh we we try to come up with names of of uh, food items and drink selections that are in latin so that makes it really (laughs) fun let me tell you and i generally have to elbow my wife to wake her up but uh, yeah that's what we do when when we go to dinner
2: uh, so there's been a lot, oh, I know, a lot of action so far on this because they've already started interviews apparently through means of Zoom or whatever those type of uh, online video services. So they've started depositions, I believe. Yes.
5: Right. Okay. In fact, Stan Kroenke himself was deposed at the end of January via Zoom. I've done a lot of depositions over Zoom over the last 12 months and. And uh, it's very underwhelming, I will assure you of that. But the, what's interesting about the deposition of Stan Kroenke is two things. First of all, it lasted two days, two full eight-hour days uh, okay. was the deposition. So there's 16 hours of testimony from Stan Kroenke from January. And then what does that the, mean? The like, What's a
2: typical thing- amount of time you would spend in deposition then?
5: the The most i've ever been in a deposition, I spent eight hours deposing a neurologist in Chicago one time that's mm-hmm. probably my uh, all time limit in terms of a deposition, but uh, I can assure you that uh, the attorneys for St. Louis went through every statement, every assertion, every public comment from Stan Cronkey talking about how we're committed to St Louis. We want to stay in St. Louis. In fact, one of the comments that's listed in the uh, in the lawsuit, in the 52-page lawsuit, is Kroenke saying, we're going to do everything we can, and I'm 99% sure we're going to keep the Rams in St. Louis for this foreseeable future. Well, that wow. was all after he'd already bought property in Los Angeles. Oh, okay? boy. So that, so, so that, by definition, is fraud when you tell the city we're going to stay here in St. Louis but you're already sending architects out to design your new stadium uh, in California. So uh, that deposition lasted two days, 16 hours of testimony, and it's sealed because of the Mm -hmm. terms of the, of the litigation, all litigation is sealed and cannot be released publicly until the case proceeds to trial.
2: I see. So afterwards, Is there going to be an opportunity to actually see video of this deposition? Will that be released to the public?
5: Uh, I presume that it will be uh, because all lawsuits are a public record. So if this case proceeds to trial, unless there's a settlement, uh, it will be a public record and anyone can obtain that from the actual uh, court file.
2: Oh, boy. So that's longer than a Marvel movie. I mean, you would have to really be dedicated <laughs> to, to watch one of these tapes. Uh, or you would have to be the intern that pulled the short mm-hmm. straw that has to go through that over the course of a couple of days with a lot of pots of coffee. So uh, are they done with that stage? or depositions over? Or since they're considering moving this and since they've um, now said at least until next year before they start this trial, could they continue to depose people? Can they continue to gather information, or are those phases over with?
5: No, in fact, they're just beginning. Uh, what's interesting to me, and to me this is the most fascinating part of litigation, is because it's all, particularly when you're dealing with very public companies, I represent a lot of public, very uh, uh, noteworthy companies, and those companies have a desire to, to have a good image in the public eye. And so what's interesting about the Rams litigation, Ryan, is that uh, the Rams sought and got permission from the judge to depose all of the owners if necessary, including Mm -hmm. obtaining their cell phone records, the numbers of, uh, of the phones that they called on their cell phones, and the substance of their conversations. Now, in particular, if you're talking about Robert Kraft, the owner uh, one, of the, one of the owners of the NFL who had that little mm-hmm. massage parlor problem <laughs> down in Florida. You know, huh. he doesn't want to give up his cell phone records. I can assure yeah. you of that. Oh, boy. And those haven't yeah. been taken yet.
3: <laughs> and so
5: that's why I think there's still a possibility of settlement of this litigation, because when Robert Kraft is faced with the prospect of giving up his cell phone records, all of a sudden settlement looks a lot more attractive
2: or any of them, I could see a lot of powerful people thinking to themselves, this ain't good. Um, Does it have to be contained just to this suit? Because we know that Stan Kroenke has dealings all over the place. Like he owns other teams. He's got his foot in other Mm -hmm. businesses. Could could they accidentally stumble upon something else and that could become relevant?
5: That's a great question. Uh, One of the things we fight at lawyers fight about this all the time in litigation But in this particular lawsuit, since the basis of the of the lawsuit is essentially fraud and misrepresentation, if the Rams had evidence of other dealings with Stan Kroenke's teams, whether they be in Denver or elsewhere, where fraud was involved, that would be relevant to show a pattern of conduct. So, in other words, if the St. Louis attorneys can demonstrate that Stan Kroenke—and again, I'm talking hypothetically can demonstrate a pattern of conduct where he utilized fraud in his business negotiations that would conceivably be admissible as evidence in the, in the St. Louis versus Stan Kroenke lawsuit. And those are the kinds of things that would have gone, been gone over in detail in his deposition.
2: Mm, Interesting. Okay. Can perhaps the city of St. Louis, let's say they are pretty confident in the hand that they're playing overplay their hand and say something like you know what i want you to shave that rat tail off your face like a part of the settlement you have to shave your mustache just to really stick it to them to say we really don't like you is it possible for them for them to do that legally
5: um possible yes probable no you know what one of the things ryan people ask me all the time people come up to me this happens at least once a week Where someone says, you know, I I slipped and fell and I got this problem, but I'm I'm not interested in the money. I'm not interested in the money, but how much do you think my lawsuit's worth? And then I tell them and they say, well, that's not enough money. And I say, well, wait, I thought you said it wasn't about the money. You know, it's always, (laughs) it's always about the money, my friend. Always, every time and underline always.
2: Yeah, it's like you go to a garage sale and you think you found something valuable. Sometimes it's a half a million dollar you know plate from china you know from you know 500 years ago and sometimes it's a beanie baby that's worth nothing but sometimes you think it's worth and it has value when it really doesn't i guess lawsuits are like that in a certain way um that's exactly. probably a bad uh, comparison so when it comes to pushing this trial back at least until next year is there a whole home court advantage does this benefit any party
5: well it certainly benefits st louis for two reasons first of all the Rams have already explored all of their motions to, do, to uh, dismiss and motions for summary judgment. All of those have been denied. It's gone all the way up to the Missouri Supreme Court. It's all been denied. They have filed motions for a change of the venue, trying to get it out of Missouri. That's been denied. And the U.S. Supreme Court denied to hear denied their appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. So at this point, this case will go to trial in the state of Missouri. There's no question about it unless it settles. So this delay of the lawsuit until 2022 allows the Rams to put more pressure on the owners of the NFL to produce their cell phone records, to produce documents they don't want to produce, and to submit for depositions. And the more pressure that the St. Louis legal team puts on the NFL owners to produce documents, produce cell phone records, and to submit a deposition the more, uh, the increases, rather, the likelihood that there could possibly be a settlement of this litigation. I still think mm-hmm. settlement is possible, not necessarily just based on the merits of the lawsuit, but because the NFL wants this to go away. And listen, if you're the NFL, the one thing you've got is, is buckets of money. And mm-hmm. so they could throw buckets of money at this case.
2: The lawsuit that we saw before with the Rams when it came to the season ticket holders in- buying the rights to a seat to get the season tickets and all you know they finally settled for that and part of it was lawyer fees mm-hmm. so when you push a lawsuit back several months does this just exponentially raise the amount of lawyer fees and then could that also be put on the back end when they if they do settle
5: oh absolutely and and listen i let me say right on the front end i'm all in favor of lawyers getting paid okay i'm <laughs> yes. all in favor of that i I got kids to feed, I got college bills. You know, I'm all in favor where the lawyer's getting paid. But don't aside, yes, because the attorney's fees rise, and trust me, they are. That's going to add to the damages and add to the possibility of punyages. Then St. Louis gets to go to trial on this case in Missouri. St. Louis has a home field advantage. There's not going to be a sympathy for the NFL here in the, in the eastern Missouri area. And so that increases the pressure on the NFL to reach a settlement.
2: All right. Brad Young from harris Style Fisher and Young, partner from that firm. Thank you for coming on, and this is an exciting one. I really hope St. Louis wins this. I mean, not only do I hope they win it, I hope it's a blowout. I hope that it is so one-sided that we can look at this and finally move on from the Rams. It would be a great victory for us.
5: Oh, it absolutely would. And don't forget, I've heard this said many times, but Stan Kroenke is lying like Wisconsin is cheese. So keep that in mind.
2: <laughs> Wait, hold on. If he's caught lying, could he face jail time?
5: No, not really. I mean, it's oh, all civil damage. It's all civil <laughs> okay, damage. You know, would you like to see him behind the, the Gray Bar Motel? I mean, would
2: you <laughs> oh, that would love be great. to see
5: that? I would
3: love
2: to <laughs> I don't know how, but it would be awesome. All right. And then if uh, you get involved with all of these other owners from NFL teams, they'd be rooting for that too, getting dragged into this thanks to him. All right. Well, uh, Brad Young, from <laughs> 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 Aristotle Fisher & Young, thank you for coming on tonight to KMOX. Always great to have you on. My pleasure, my friend. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. So after the break, we've heard a lot about the loop trolley and the potential of funding. I don't think anyone wants to throw more money at it, but there are proponents of it. And Kurt Prenzler is the chair of the East-West Gateway Council of Governments. He's gonna come on to talk about that proposal and other things next on Overnight America KMOX.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone.
1: News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals.
2: He's the new chair of the East West Gateway Council of Governments. And to talk about the potential of additional funding going to the Loop Trolley, it doesn't seem there's a lot of support for it, but who knows? Maybe it's a good idea. Kurt Prenzler joins us. Uh, welcome to Overnight America. Thank you, Ryan it's not a popular thing among people that live in the area. I don't think they want to see over a million dollars go back into the loop trolley after all the additional money that was spent on it over the last couple of years. Where do you stand on that?
4: Well, uh, first of all, um, as, as I'm, I'm, I'm the uh, chair of the, this year for the uh, 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 East West gateway, but that is a rotating, rotating position. And so really I speak on behalf of Madison County, Illinois, I am chairman of the board and uh, we have pretty much unanimously on our county board questioned the the wisdom of uh, bailing out the trolley. in fact we opposed it our two uh, the bi-state board has 10 board members five from missouri five from illinois our two board members have been uh have been very uh vocal in terms of opposing the bailout that uh we thought had ended about a year ago so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm frankly, surprised to see this being talked about again.
2: I was pretty excited to Google the loop trolley and on it, it said permanently closed. And I thought, wow, this is great news. We don't have to worry about this. And then all of a sudden we're spending like drunken sailors for all the COVID spending. And we can think, Oh, 1.2 million, not a big deal. Let's just throw it at the trolley. So I don't think there's a lot of supporters, at least from taxpayers, the way that they're looking at this sort of thing, governmental, there, it seems to always have their proponents and ones that want to throw at it. I'm curious, what do you think the merits are of trying to even consider something like this? And what is our obligation when it comes to the loop trolley? Because there's always this threat that if we do nothing with it, there might be a greater penalty. So how do you balance those things?
4: Well, as as I understand it, and uh, and uh, I have not ridden the trolley. I've listened to your website, and you've you actually have. So... Kudos to you, but uh, the uh, the trolley costs more than fifty million dollars. It's it 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 uh, doesn't really go anywhere. It goes to the historical society. Uh, it's essentially it's really not transportation. It's more or less an amusement ride. It doesn't reduce congestion, traffic congestion. It doesn't reduce pollution. Uh, but let's let's try to put a positive. Let's look at it they do have in the Delmar loop, they have a 1% sales tax district that I understand produced about $900,000 a year pre COVID. And I heard that they had an estimated cost of, of operating, uh, the trolley at about 1.2 million. I was always puzzled. Why don't the businessmen in the loop? Why don't they chip in the difference? Uh, Washington university is close. Uh, you know, university city is a wealthy community. Uh, you know why don't we see these organization, organizations chip in, or why not go back to the voters? They have a one percent sales tax. Why not go back to the the Loop uh, retail retail establishment, or have the voters uh, ask for a one point five percent, one and a half percent sales tax? So this trolley, if it benefits anyone, it it was kind of the brainchild of of uh, individual business owners in the Delmar Loop. And I'm I'm really surprised that uh, they can't come up with the difference. The difference, in my mind, is is uh, they're they're generating uh, sales tax in their sales tax district, and they have a they have a cost. And you know, I I'm think surprised that they're not just continuing this themselves. Why are they reaching out to buy state? Why are they reaching out to other
2: organizations? Yeah, and none of this should have actually happened because their projections show this would be self-sustainable, it would be great, but even from the get-go, they realized they were in some major trouble because the money that was coming in wasn't even close to... It was probably, what, like 10% of what they anticipated would be coming in. And you're right about the pollution thing. I never really thought of that, mostly because you think of the lines and the electricity used for it. But when this thing goes down and you've got about a mile and a half of cars idling, that's not good when it comes to pollution in the area. Frustration, you're right. It gets a lot of people upset when they're trying to drive there and this thing's making frequent stops to no one because no one's uh, hopping on it's a nice you know it looks nice it's really just this cosmetic thing that's nice to a certain area that no one uses and to think for example when you're going through budgeting i'm sure you could probably find 1.2 million a better use for that somewhere else if you were in control of all of it
4: yeah i think that uh so i i think that from what i understand uh the, the folks in the st louis metropolitan area they're they're also scratching their heads wondering why should the people of wood river illinois or or fenton missouri or uh, arnold why should the entire region bail this out uh if if anyone's going to bail it out i think it should be the folks in university city the business people
2: Right. And, you know, I know that you've um, also paid close attention to Metrolink. I know a lot of this is connected between Illinois and Missouri here. But when you think about the problems we've seen and the tragedies we've seen, and then the state coming out saying that, no, the the armed guard situation, we can't do it based on the study or whatever it is, and these excuses that come out, and people are afraid to ride the Metrolink and the amount of crime that happens. And I think to myself, of all the things you could be spending money on, you got a lot of other things to deal with right now when it comes to public transportation and Metrolink. Yeah. Because probably the best thing you can be doing right now is trying to make that as safe as possible for the riders and really encouraging people to use that. But it's a huge discouragement when you read the news and you see all of the issues with it. And yeah, if you're going to spend money somewhere, why don't you start with places that need it?
4: I agree. If if you're going to spend money, I think uh, you need to uh, look really hard at the the Metrolink. I think the Metrolink security started to go go in the wrong direction back in the spring of, of 2018 when uh, the East-West Gateway Council and uh, by state went ahead and I think paid this consultant out of Portland $400,000 for an assessment. And then they came back in the spring of 19 and they were authorized for another 500000 They came back uh, maybe about uh, eight months or nine months later with 99 recommendations, one of which was to disarm the security guards. And at that point, our two uh, board members on the Bi-State Board objected strongly. I spoke against it in the uh, East-West Gateway meeting in February. The agreement took place April 1st of 2020, so almost, almost a year ago. Uh, we saw a, a young woman get beat up in early July of 2020 uh, when a security guard just looked on and perhaps felt that, that, that she couldn't do anything. Our county board in Madison County Illinois passed a resolution in July of July fifteenth of 2020 uh, basically warning the citizens that Metrolink was not safe and criticizing the new security agreement and then of course we had the ultimate uh, I thought well we had a we had a security guard uh, pushed off the ramp very very badly injured I think that was in the fall and then of course in, in the very end of January we tragically had the uh, security guard who was murdered. So in February, uh, just this last month, our county board uh, passed another resolution. It passed unanimously, again, criticizing this new security agreement.
2: I wonder, really, what could be done, because there's a public perception issue, because when people think about Metrolink, of course, they're going to think about the crime, but it's a real problem, and I've read different people's uh, accounts of what happens and you go online and people say oh it's great i've never had an issue but then you find out they were only riding to go to a cardinals game when there's a lot of people around but the people that ride it day to day they say it's a regular occurrence to see people coming up asking for money selling drugs you know uh, harassing other people sometimes even assaulting other people and I, i hear about all of these things and i think man this is a terrible first impression for anyone that thinks Metrolink is this type of mass transportation that everyone uses, like all these other large cities. And if we really want to try to change the opinion of this area, we got to start with things like this and hit the crime and and really stop it from where it starts. And it really does bother me to think that there's all this opposition to try to secure it, because something like that, I would believe, would make an an immediate impact if they were able to properly do so. I agree. Yeah. So... When you try to fight this and you stand up and you say, we, we got to do these things, the opposition to it, how do you get past that? How do you actually try to be fruitful in a discussion where they're so set against it?
4: Well, it is a difficult in Madison County, Illinois, uh, as I said before, Missouri has five board members on the bi-state board. Illinois has five. Uh, St. Clair County has three. We have two. Uh, actually, I do believe that we have been punished. Addison County. Uh we did have a, a, a law that was passed uh last year that went through the Illinois General Assembly and it essentially took it took one by state seat away from us and uh when when the term of one of our commissioners ends in January of, of next year, we will have only one seat on the by state board. Hmm. So it is difficult to uh to speak up. Sometimes you're penalized.
2: Yeah. And th- and that's a problem and I feel like We're going to spend what you said, $400,000 for out-of-state consultants to put a report together when I'm sure they've had no investment into this area. We need people that actually live in this area, the ones that are invested into it to have the greatest say. It does bother me to think that we're going out of town into places that have their own issues and we're going to try to replicate something that doesn't necessarily work here. I think that people are kind of fed up about this. I'm sure you talk to people on a day-to-day basis and when they bring this sort of thing up, they got to be upset about it to you.
4: Uh, from my impression, I mean, if you look at any part of the, if you talk to people in any part of the metro area, in terms of all different types of people, there is a common consensus that the security guards should be armed. It's really not fair to the security guards to give them that label, security guard, and they don't have they don't have the means to back it up. And then, uh, so it's it's not as we've seen it, it 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 it's unsafe for the security guards, and it's certainly unsafe for the passengers.
2: Mm -hmm. I feel like a guard would would give you the impression that they have the ability to intervene when there is an issue. And I feel like sometimes when you talk about people that work at retail and they're told that not to interfere with anyone because it would make them liable and they could lose their job if they interfere. And I think if you're talking about people that are getting assaulted. On a regular basis, on the Metrolink or places like that, and uh, their directive is: well, they can't really step in or do anything. Then, essentially, what we have are witnesses, uh, not security guards. You could replace them with cameras, and then after the fact, use the police to try to track them down. And I, I think about the 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 shame because it isn't you know all things considered. Metrolink is something that was looked at and was kind of praised in a lot of different ways to be able to connect this. I mean, there's things that could be done better. And there are people that defend it, but man, there's a lot of these scarecrows that are still up there that we have to to get out of there and and we have to fix before we can actually claim it a victory. And, you know, I hope that there is some sort of change in the future. Do you Are you optimistic? Do you think that things might get better?
4: I, I just don't know, but I, I am confident there is really a tremendous consensus among all different uh, types of people in all different regions of the St. Louis metro area that to leave the security agreement in place as it is, Is not a good idea, and that we really need to get uh, we really need to to take a look. The security agreement began April 1st of 2020. It's coming up on on one year, and I think it's essential. I think the people really believe that it has to be changed.
2: Listen to the people. That's a good start. So, Kurt Prenzler, uh, chair of the East West Gateway Council of Governments, also Madison County over in Illinois. You can see him on the county board there. Thank you so much for coming on and discussing this on KMOX. Thank you, Ryan. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Biggest takeaway I have, and I thought this was a really good insight from Kurt. Biggest takeaway is, listen to the people on this one. you got to listen to the people. This is Overnight America KMOX.
1: This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. Mm, Well, it's amazing
2: how fast these nights go by. We'll... Have an opportunity to talk to our friend Tom Sullivan as part of the replay hour, which will come up here right after midnight. We'll be back again tomorrow at eight o'clock. If you are someone that's on Facebook, but you hate social media, but you're still on it and you think, uh, why am I even on this thing? Then we're alike and you can go like the Ryan Wrecker Radio Facebook page. That would be nice. I'm still trying to figure out some new technology I received. I got a little audio mixer here, which is pretty exciting. It's got buttons on it that I can program. Like, for example, there's a button that I can push for a, a crowd. Pretty nice, huh? This is what I imagine uh, most people that listen to this program, they clap like this when they hear something they like. You, just like producer Mike back in the studio, he claps with excitement when he hears something he likes all the time, too. So I got to learn some of these buttons and things. Maybe we'll play around with that tomorrow too. I got a great interview about head transplants and does your consciousness follow a head transplant? No, This is going to be an awesome one. So we're going to do that tomorrow at eight o'clock. Don't miss the show. Enjoy the replay hours now and we'll talk to you later. Have a good night. Bye.
3: My heart beats with the lonely rain. Wishing I could see a face again. Call